Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Self Love Club. A place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm Val Crawford and you can find out more about why I've launched this club at valcrawford.com. I'd love for you to join it and trust me, it's not like a cult or pyramid scheme. It's literally just a club where you can come hang out. It's going to be a fun time. Join me for a podcast series where we'll hear the stories of girl boss women who are doing super cool things with their lives. We'll find out how they've done what they have, their self-love and self-care practices, and they'll share their tips to empower you to live your best life. Stacey Morrison started her TV career when she was still at high school on a children's show Kiwi Kids grew up watching, What Now? Stacey is a mum of three, a radio host on the Hits Drive show, a TV presenter, director, producer, and Māori language consultant. She's also an author and works in governance roles, is on the media advisory board, as well as her kids' school board. How does she manage to do it all? And how has she paved this career and life for herself? A true boss babe, we are super lucky to have Stacey share her inspiring story and empowering advice on the Self Love Club podcast. Stacey Morrison, thank you so much for being on the Self Love Club podcast. I see you all the time at work and I was like, she will be Amazing. I've got to ask her to come on. So thank you. Oh, no, I love it. And it's what a good thing where we get to sort of call it work when it's actually just talking about the best things. I know. Just sitting having a chat. Um, So people may know you from the radio, from TV, but uh, tell everyone what you do. So currently I, I guess I say first and foremost, I'm a mum. I'm a mama of three kids. And I work in radio, uh, the Hits Drive show, and I work in television. I've done TV since I was at high school, which is a real long time ago. <laughs> um, and I've been sort of uh, presenter, uh, direct, produce, and I do a lot of consultancy around Māori language. And so we, I've been an author, or I am an author as well with my husband, Scotty. We wrote uh, Māori at Home and I have another book coming out. And we also, what else do I do? Oh, I'm quite often, I sort of do work around governance and, and I'm on the media advisory board, that kind of thing. So a few different spaces and then, you know, like on the school board kind of thing. Am I mumming out too much? Are people going to go, I don't want to <laughs> no, listen to this woman? <laughs> not at all. I just think you're like, how do you fit that all in? Like that's a lot to be juggling. How do you do it? And I think we say that to each other a lot. So <laughs> It is weird. One thing is before you have kids, you think you're really busy and you are really busy, but it's a different type of busy. So I didn't realise that your headspace would still be with your kids so much when you're not with them. And and organising their life and all that life admin yeah. is something that if you get it snappy, it makes life work easier. But then again, the biggest thing for me is um, I have a husband who's totally on board and we work together really well. And so there's no lines of I only do this or you only do that. He um, is much better at, say, washing than me, that kind of stuff, you know. So that's the biggest thing. And I say to women, and, you know, I do what I can do right now. If, if there is a point at which I can't do it anymore um, because of my kids or because of whatever's going on in my life, then I won't. Uh, but at the moment, this is what I can do. So that's what I do. But I, And also just little tactics like a management 
um, hub, like a little app that we have that shows what everyone's doing. So my husband can input, I can input into it, and then we see what everyone's That's doing. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. Like, because it can be hard, like those, I feel like admin and just like life admin just takes up a lot of time. So like, yeah. especially managing like three kids and working full time on so many different things. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, it does make a difference. I mean, everyone has their strengths. Um, I hate emails at the moment. I just really hate them. And so, <laughs> you know, just trying to get things to work for you and just know both of us, we find it quite energizing to go from one thing to another. So to go and do different jobs, some people won't find that energizing. They'll find it draining just even as an idea. So you've got to figure out how do you work best? Yeah. And I like doing lots of different things. Uh, but then it's also about, I reckon, figuring out what are the really core important things. Like if you don't do this certain thing, um, everything might not feel right. And you've got to figure out for yourself what those things are. It might be exercise. It might be uh, that you have, like say for me, for my kids, if I'm not there enough, I don't feel good about that. I don't feel like I'm winning. Um, and it might be things like that you do for your self-care or your spiritual self. Yeah. So how did, what are some of the things that you say about being there for your kids? What are some of those things that you've worked out work for you in order to feel like you can do those things? Well, it's about being at the events that they consider important and they tell you that. Like, so sometimes it's, it's being in the school drop, drop off. Some people really hate it and like, just can't wait to get them out. But I like that time. I really appreciate it because I used to be in breakfast radio, so I never got to do it, you see. Um, so it's things like that. It's being at their school events. I'm on the school board, which I know my kids are like, that doesn't have anything to do with me, but it does in terms of representing them. And um, yeah, I guess in terms of managing it, it's, it is easier once you're in a position where you can uh, choose some flexibility at work. So I'd have flexibility over money any day mm. because if you feel, I'm just not a person to be tied down very well. Yeah. You need something solid. Um, but if you know that sitting in an office from nine to five um, drains you rather than energizes you, that's a really good thing to think about and go, okay, how can I work around that? Mm. And mm. so how do you think, like, obviously – how do you go? How do you go about creating that? If someone's sitting in a you know nine to five office job, like a lot of people are, how do you start changing that for yourself? Yeah, we did a series on this. Actually, you can still see it on whanauliving.co.nz because I wanted to do that for women who are watching us on TV yeah. say, at ten o'clock in the morning. Um, and I saw I met so many different women doing amazing things. So like um, Frankie Apothecary, how she's done her own ideas, uh, you know, rongoa, so healing balms and things from home around her children. And that was inspired by, um, this is Michelle, inspired by one of her kids having asthma. And so they figured out how to help with that and eczema and those kind of things. So it's about finding, I think, your passion or what you can actually do. And sometimes it's about having a bridging scenario. So, okay, I can't do everything I want to do right now, but I need to make a plan of how I'm going to get there. So it might be retraining or it might be I'm going to do two jobs uh, for a while. I, you know, I might be able to do an online kind of role or some people are into network marketing, all that kind of stuff um, until you can get some flexibility. Mm. And I think it's a, the biggest thing is about building a plan. And there's a lot of inspiration now, I think, online and in courses that you can do to go, okay, how do I get there? Yeah. And planning sounds so boring, but it does have uh, results. Yeah, definitely. And especially if you've got like, I don't know about you, but like lots of ideas 
with something and you're like, they're all in your head and you've got to get them down. It can just have them written down and having a plan just makes you feel like you're on track on, or that you can just stop having them swirling around in your mind, you know? Exactly. And not all of them will come to fruition, but it's also funny how much you can put things out there and you think, oh, probably nothing will happen with this, but it does. Like as soon as you actually start to mm. share your dream a little bit, um, then it starts to happen and they go, oh, actually, I heard that Belle's interested in that. Like maybe you'd want to come and be on my podcast, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but that's a bravery that you have to show to yeah. actually share your ideas. I think the idea, and I kind of I, I sort of realised this year, and even though like, you know, we've been in radio for a while, I was like, we're literally creating something out of ourselves. Like mm. it's like your content creating out of your own life, which kind of, I was like, whoa, that's kind of funny. Like I was doing a blog um, on my website and like taking photos in my, in my house. And I was like, this is really funny. I'm like literally taking photos of something I had that I've made or done or something. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm ca- I'm creating content out of this. It's so, it, it was just a weird thing to of me. Of what content is these yeah, days. Yeah, I was like, and that's it is- so weird. Because it is one of the first generations to be able to do that. So that's a massive opportunity. And then it's about how you value what you do and that you have a unique way of expressing things and that other people might like that. But then there's another step of how you monetize all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've managed to, I mean, I think it's finding what you're passionate about and just start doing it, right? Don't really think about it too much or, or make yes. a plan. Start yeah. doing it, make steps towards it. And then, because then, yeah, once you start sharing stuff that's important to you or you're passionate about, it's Gonna, like it's funny how people like really jump on board something. You're it's like, like the forces oh. with you. <laughs> I know yeah. you're like, oh, I just this is something that I just always thought or like liked, and you're like, you share it, and then people are like, yeah, I really like this too. And I'm like, it's it's quite a weird thing. And I guess the difference is, is sharing your content because it's you, rather than going, I think people will like this, so I'm going to do that. You know, yeah. like, rather if it comes from a real genuine place. And then I I just wanted to say that when you can't find your passion. Uh, that is hard. Oh, yeah. And and I feel, I know there's going to be some people listening going, well, I've got no idea. Mm. But the thing is, is that we all have no idea phases where we go, I don't know, I'm just a bit stuck. And so that's where self-care and getting into a place of getting back to who you are, who your eight-year-old self was, and she still has this little dream of something that she really loves and wants to do. And that's at your core, that's still who you are. Like sometimes we really change from who we are as kids, but there's usually something that sticks inside us that is still the creative child, that the one who dreams are amazing, imagine, you know, huge dreams, the one who writes stories, the one who likes to make things, you know, a craft. So getting back to that, I think, um, is a way that we can really connect with what our passions are when we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> forgotten. Totally. And then I think, like you say, you go through those phases and then sometimes you'll go through a real ideas phase. Yeah. I've been in one of those spaces this year, like creatively, like just so many ideas. I'm like, whoa, it's really full on, but it's cool. How do you think like you've managed to turn your passions and things, your projects you've worked on, how do you think people, like how do you go about monetizing those? Because it can be quite a weird thing when it's just something you're interested in mm. and then all of a sudden it's like, well, this could be a business. How, like, What are some steps you think you can do with that? Yeah, well, I think partially it's a plan and, and part of the plan might be I'm going to do my nine to five for another year and while I'm doing that, I'm going to um, learn some more about business. I'm going to learn some more about where the money is, say online. Um, and so I'm all about having a... Uh, having a day job, I guess, or having yeah. something that sort of holds everything down because I contract a lot of work, but you need a couple of things that just hold it down. Um, and I've never been um, financially dependent on 
anything. Um, so it was quite a weird feeling for me when I first started getting maternity leave. I was like, wow, I'm getting this money for nothing. It's pretty amazing. But then I have paid tax. So it's about, I think, um, upskilling in that area if it's not your strength. And then when we talk about online, yeah, it's easy to have lots of followers. It's fairly easy to have likes and all that kind of thing. But to monetize it, do you have a product? Mm. Yeah. And if it is a product, what is it? Yeah. Um, I love it when people actually make things physically and, and then sell them because I'm really bad at stuff like that. I'm really bad at selling things, really bad. Well, that's, so, the, that's the thing. Like, I think some of us have ideas. Everyone's different. Some people's strengths are they're good at, you know, like monetizing things. They've got a really business mind. But then it's like when something's your passion or something you just you really love and then, yeah, like it's just I guess it's the process of turning that into like having a business mind with it. And like you say, maybe upskilling, doing some courses, speaking to like a business coach or something maybe. Yeah, and a mentor. And I think as women, we have to have these conversations more. So you go, I've done it like this. Um, You could do this or you could do that. And that's something that I, I guess because I'm a big sister and I naturally do a lot. And I love doing that. And I love seeing other women uh, kind of just step into a a different phase. And some women that I've had those conversations with is like, oh, girl doesn't need me. She's off. She's flying, which is fantastic. Um, And I think when we celebrate other women, it's a powerful thing for ourselves. Totally. That collective um, of having a sisterhood is really important because as much as uh, this generation of creating content, you know, in your house by yourself can be uh, wonderful, it can be isolating. Mm. So it's important to engage in your collective and in your sisterhood. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of women are amazing. I mean, women are amazing, um, but sometimes I've spoken to someone else about this. Sometimes some women are really threatened by other women doing well. And I just never really got it because it's like there's enough success to go around for everyone, enough happiness, like just because someone, you know, you might find yourself in a situation where someone's not happy that someone else is doing well. Mm. I don't know. I just, it's a, if we were just all happy for each other, because you will get into situations where people aren't. It would be really helpful. Well, I think the thing is, is quickly breaking it down to what's going on with me. It's like, I'm jealous. I wish yeah. I had that job. Yeah. I wish I had that house or I wish I had that outfit. And then just own it. Just go, yeah. I'm jealous. I'm envious. Um, it's not a great feeling. Yeah. Not my best work. Let's let it go. Yeah. And let's choose to turn it around and go, put that put that face on and go, I'm happy for you because you're my friend and I respect you. If you don't yeah. respect them, just leave them out. Then but what if it's- Don't a, comment. Don't I mean, say anything. I mean, from the receiving end, like what mm. if someone, I, I've never really been the giver of it. Like what if you, and I'm not talking just about me, but like in general, like people might not even be doing the same thing as you. And because you're doing well at something else, which is not even the same thing as them, they can be like, you know, get yeah. mad about it. Yeah. And if you are the- receiver I guess it's and and I've been in that situation too it's about looking at what's going on with them and and how much energy I'm going to give that yeah because it's like I'm sorry I am actually going to put my energy in good things so if you want to drag me down in your drama llama um, (laughs) I'm just not there for it because yeah that's that's what I was talking about I'm able to do these things at the moment because of how my life is if I invested in too much drama I wouldn't be able to to be honest yeah yeah. So like I think it's a process of coming to that place. I'm sort of getting there more and more now. I used to take everything so personally, like, oh, have I done something wrong? Why do they think that about me? Like now I'm just like, don't even go there because like 
that is so much energy, like you're saying, which you could be putting into things you actually want to achieve and like things yeah. you want to make happen. It is hard. It is yeah. hard to go. Well, does that, that just hurts a bit, you know. They said something critical or they are hating on me. You can't pretend you're not human and it doesn't hurt, but you can decide how much time you're going to give to it. How? What are some tips from you on how you manage to do that? Well, there's a few um, – different processes and I am a sensitive person so I have to work through it sometimes and as I say getting down to what the core feeling is and that I feel hurt or they've like triggered a little insecurity button or something then that's worth figuring out so I read Brene Brown and she's all about um, shame and vulnerability and how you can rise strong from that and one of the things she says is to be curious about your feelings and that there is an outcome that will come from that you go that's interesting anytime someone says something like this I feel really um, upset so being curious about that and then having the uh, staying power to stay in it and look at it and go okay this is what I'm going to do this time and this is how much energy I'm going to give it and I'm still being a boss because I'm actually pushing through this rather than just pretending it didn't hurt me because it did. Yeah. Um, and then I'm lucky in terms of tikanga Māori, we have different processes that can help. Like so karakia aren't, people say they're prayers, but they're not, they're, to me, they're incantations. So they're really like affirmations and, and they can give you protective energy and that's that's what I do. That helps me a lot too. Yeah. That's something I learned and use as part of my, I guess, my self-care toolkit. Yeah. Yeah, to feel like if I can feel the uh, my energy's been zapped or my, my wairua, my spirit has been sort of attacked, then there's means that you can do to kind of just yeah. shake that off. Yeah, I do yeah. a spiritual projection as well, especially sometimes in full-on environments, whether it be mm. in the industry we work on and sometimes there is some really full-on energy around and yeah. it's like, I don't know, it can be hard to not pick up on that sometimes or, yeah, let it get you. And the truth is, is if you are someone who picks up on it, then you need your mechanisms and you ha- might have your way of going about it. I always used to like draw golden light around people when I was a kid. And then That's now. so special. Yeah. What a cutie. Oh, I was, I was really scared. My dad was going to die when he was on a holiday. He didn't. That was great. Uh, him and his wife. And so I, I'm, I drew this picture of them and drew a big golden light around them, protecting them. That's so beautiful. Yeah. But my mum helped me with things like that, you know, because I was that sensitive kid and still sensitive person. But. Um, I think, you know, you have your way of doing it. I have my way of doing it. And I'm really grateful for the, I guess, the frameworks that um, Māori culture gives to help uh, to do that. But if you can see that, that's an important thing to be grateful about in yourself. Yeah. If you're aware of energy um, and you might call it spiritual, you might just call it perception mm. or intuition, then that's good to, to do something that physically makes you feel uh, stronger. Yeah, and, and if something bad's got in your space, how to shake it off? Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's just having the tools of knowing how to look after yourself, whatever that type of self care may be. If that's the way, it's like yeah, it's learning how you are, and then what you need to do to so you can live and yeah. like be happy and everything like that. So if that's something you need to do, then you just need to do it every day or, or whenever you need to do it. You know? Yes, and that sort of self knowledge is really empowering and. I also, my husband and I were talking about a quote from Gandhi where he says, uh, the best way to find your true self is to lose yourself in the service of others. And if you are a person for whose service is a lot, um, then that's really powerful too. Totally. I think sometimes when you're not on a, you know, but sad or whatever about something, helping someone else can really help. Like just, yeah, it's just like drags you out of it a bit. When you were growing up, did you always know what you wanted to do? Did you know what you were passionate about, like career-wise or... 
Well, I always thought I'd never be in radio because my dad was, so I wouldn't do that. And I did. <laughs> um, I always loved drama and what well, drama that on stage, not yeah. drama, um, but um, <laughs> the good kind of drama. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The singy, dancey, jazz yeah, yeah, hands. Yeah, 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 fun drama. Yeah. So I loved all of that and writing, and I'm still writing's very much a self care thing for me, and um, therapeutic. Um, so those kind of things, but I. I thought I was going to be a lawyer because there were just really cool law, lawyer type looking women on TV. So <laughs> I was just like, I want to be like that. And then I realized that law, you have to make things really comp- simple concepts quite complicated. So I was right. like, oh, nah. I just like the idea of arguing every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get into radio instead. <laughs> yeah. So what, what did you do when you left school? What was your first thing you did? Well, because I did my last year in Japan as an exchange student. So I was in a real immersion environment and I learned Japanese and I was supposed to go to university, but I'd already been working for what now when I was at high school. So I came back and went, I'm not ready for university. I've just had this mind blowing experience. And I went straight into television. I've worked full time pretty That's much. That's so cool. So when, so you started it when you were a teenager, cause I remember you mm. on what now. Mm. So that was when you were a teenager. Yeah. At high school. Crazy. Yeah. That's cool. So how did that come about? Was it like. From drama class, from right. jazz hands. Yeah. That's because I know it's still filmed down there, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And so they saw us. We were the, so. Christchurch, I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. We were, um, which you probably know from broadcasting school, but yeah. they, we were the total misfits at a theatre sports. You know, like Whose Line Is Oh, yeah. Like, we were like, people were like, what is I don't know how school doing here. This is not your clique. And <gasps> we were so weird that What Now went, we like those kids, those weird kids. That's who we're going to ask to audition. And I got a job on What Now. So instead of working at McDonald's after school, that's what I did. That's uh, awesome. Know. And yeah, you probably were just like, I love drama. This is awesome. This is my thing. It was a bit hard though. It was weird being on TV when you're at high school and I you know, and the hassles and all those kind of thing. And I just went, oh, well, I'm saving my money. Um, and so it was worth it. But because my dad had been in radio, I was a little bit used to that. So it was yeah. a big influence on my life because people always just said, you know, that's James's daughter, James Daniel's daughter. That was very much part of my life. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, being in this scene, I think it's really important that I didn't look at media as something that our family didn't do. So there's somewhere in my mind it was like this is potentially something I could do. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And so what? Um, where did that lead? You Obviously you've managed to work in TV like you still are. Um, so what happened after what? You were on What Now for a while, weren't you? Um, what Now and then I came up with In Focus. So I worked behind the scenes as well. So doing a varied uh, career, doing being able to do lots of different roles. So then we'd still research stories and people would say, but like you didn't have the internet because you had one computer for the whole oh, office. <laughs> like you had to ring people and you had to go and see people um, to suss it out to what you would do as a story. So those are all really good skills. And I learned it all on the job basically. And then producing, I produced Sports Cafe for a year. I worked um, – and lots of different roles. When I learned how to speak Japanese, I wanted to learn to speak my own language. Yeah. And so by doing that, that has opened a lot of doors and opened the way to uh, expressing my entire self, I guess. Yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, we live in New Zealand. I think it's important that we have te reo Māori spoken on TV. And so, I, like, good on you for just doing something that we – because we needed that. There wasn't really that much of it all the time, you know? 
Yeah, and it's challenging and it's, as a learner as well, it was embarrassing. I made really bad mistakes. I I felt very much on the back foot. But I'm grateful for that because it's given me a lot of empathy for how people feel when they're learning. Oh, yeah, especially when you're having to say these words on like live TV or like you're being filmed. It's like sometimes we make mistakes in the way we say things, you know. Yeah, and we have a low threshold for cringe or for getting it wrong. And I'm grateful that I've had this whole journey like basically that's part of what brought my husband and I together. We both found our own deal and our language um, as adults. So that's been a real, uh, I guess, hugely pivotal thing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But that was all about me feeling comfortable with who I am. I'm Māori and I'm Pākehā. My mum's family came out from England and there was one part of myself that I couldn't express very well. And so that was what that whole thing was about for me was yeah. to feel good and my face says I'm Māori and I wanted to be able to I guess speak the language that my spirit speaks I guess yeah and yeah. it's a it's a it's a part of you so like I guess yeah like you say when you were able to learn to speak it more then you yeah you felt like it was more of it, you found yourself really because yeah. it's like oh this is this is me you know because I wasn't comfortable with it growing up and in Christchurch at that time it's sort of like wow yeah. you might do well anyway even though you've got this like slight disability of being Maori oh my kind god of it's terrible wasn't it well and it's what it was you know yeah. and I didn't feel good about it um so I had to especially because Christchurch was quite like it is quite white like I remember when I lived down there when I studied I was like well I'd grown up you know, with like a lot of different people around, a lot of Māori. I went to a high school that had a marae, you know, like. And that is a really important thing. It's about women seeing themselves in media. So now you get to see people who are like you a lot more. Yeah. Didn't used to at all. So even if there's, say, even online, if you can see a woman that you identify with, that's really powerful. But if our girls don't get to see anyone like them succeeding, I think that that has an impact. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. I think even now, like in some some things with TV can be really old school, I think, and, and all over the world and they have a certain look. Mm. You know, like even at I know at TVNZ they still do. Like, um like I'm not it's just what it is. Like they, like, they pick certain t- looking people and it's like I don't know. I think sometimes in a job it's like you should pick someone on their skills and maybe they might look a bit different to like your idea. Because that's about management, right? Who's making the decisions all the time and yeah. what looks right to them? You know, that's so, like having a stereotype of we'll only hire people who look like this. Yeah. But how did that stereotype get created? And that's where systems um, actually work to, to, cha- to change our ideas of, of stereotypes, you know? So when we talk about women um, and equity for women and business, places in particular, let's look at the systems and the surrounding environment, say media environment, that impact um, how women are treated and perceived. Because it's not just about women going, okay, I'm being really empowered and I'm going to stand up for myself every day. That's not the fight. That's not all of the fight. Part of it is around how when um, women aren't in management positions or, or positions of influence, it's harder mm. to um, have a system that sees has an equity lens. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you obviously met your husband through working in TV? Mm, no? Sort of. We were both working at radio at the time. He was on the Māori station and I was on my FM. Um, and so I knew who he was. He was like one of the bros. I totally didn't see him like that because I am So you'd known him for quite a long time? Yeah. 
You were what? Sorry, dumb. Um, because <laughs> that's I, kind of, I think it's kind of good when you're not like fall for someone straight away because that can be like hard as well. But like you know, just like oh yeah, and then get to actually know someone. Yes, and yeah. so we had a lot of mutual friends, and then he was filling in for my Maori teacher, and then we and we were both sick. Once we both became single, then I was more like what have I been doing my whole life? Why didn't I see this guy run in front of me? <laughs> yeah, because you were at MyFM, but weren't you at Flavor as well for a yes. long time? Yeah, so from MyFM I went to Flavor when Flavor established. Yeah, and you were on breakfast there, right? Yeah, 2004. Yeah. Tell me what you were doing in 2004. I was 15. Yeah. Year 11. <laughs> That's so First cool. First year of NCEA. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool though. So yeah, because so, so you were on breakfast when Flavor started. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so Flavor for, I think, how many years? Because uh, you had your babies when you were there, right? Yeah. So, so Megan, who does breakfast now, said she used to fill in sometimes when you were away. Yeah, and which is really cool. You know, I love the fact that Megan is has done so well. And we always were like, wow, she's got such a great voice. And, yeah, she was our little interny girl. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, you know, it's so exciting for me to see her do so well. Um, so, yeah, then I had three months off to have each of my children and then came back and I'd be – Sort of, uh, it would have been hard. expressing milk at four thirty in the morning, kind of thing. <laughs> I do look back at it and go, "That was intense." Yeah, but that was. I think part of it was I felt like I should go back. Yeah, if I'm completely honest. Um, and I think that I am a better mum for working. I think that I actually need that interaction. Yeah, and. I also believe that I'm showing them about work ethic. It's just you've got to get the balance right for you. And no one else should, I don't believe, should tell you what the balance is. Yeah. Um, Some people will be different. You know, like I've talked to flight attendants, I was like, how is that getting, you know, leaving your children? I'd feel totally anxious going to another country away from my children. They go, I love it. And the other week my kid got um, chicken pox and I said to my husband, bye. <laughs> you know, so your turn. Yeah. You do you, however it works for you. I know another woman who's an executive, really high position, just over there in that big company over there. Um, and her husband stays at home and that works for them. So whatever works for you. But it is intense. I think at that stage, if I think our eldest son is twelve, um, we didn't talk so much about how hard it is, but it is really full on. I was the next level of tired that I didn't I know. Breakfast I is like, I mean, I've done breakfast too. And it's like, with, I didn't have kids or anything. Like it's tiring enough. Then having kids on the mix, like babies as well. Like, and they oh, weren't good sleepers, our kids. Oh, they no. good a lot of things, but not sleeping. Yeah. And I think, I mean, like you say, everyone's situation's different, whether they want to go back or they, or they can or they can't. Especially with like a radio job, I feel like if you had six months off, like you could do it. But it's like a long time being off air for a radio show. And I think there's definitely the pressure for women in radio or media jobs like that, that you just can't really do it because you almost need to leave your job. And if we're honest, we feel like, well, I know I feel like you'd be slipping down mm-hmm. the pecking order a little bit. Yeah. And you wouldn't be, because when you're doing something every day, you're just like keeping on your game. Yeah. And so having a break from it, like even though it's important to have that time with your baby, whatever time you can have. Um, yeah, like they, and then as bosses probably will be like, oh, you know, oh, she's away for six months of a year, you know. 
See, that's an interesting thing, though, because then we've got that self-talk going, the boss will probably think that, but then we don't actually <laughs> ask the boss, what do you think? Yeah. Um, and my dad was my boss at the time, but that didn't actually, he, he was probably harder on me because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, because I worked to the, for our second child, I worked to the day she was born accidentally. Oh, my goodness. Um, was she early? Yeah, a week early. Oh, okay. Only a week. So but I worked still, to, you worked right up. I worked to 39 weeks, and you, it's 40 weeks in total. And I ended up having to drive to Rotorua in labour, uh, well, my husband was driving, but yeah, because we were, we always have the kids there because that's where our um, tribal land is. That's right. where we want them to to be born. And so we were going down there, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to have a baby in Huntley." No, we can't do. We can't. <laughs> it's can't. got to be in Otorua. Like, yes, can't yeah. be in Huntley. It's, it's not, not Huntley. I love you, Huntley. We're not having a baby. Here. I stayed in Auckland. <laughs> exactly. So it was the big call. Do we go at two o'clock in the morning? And so that's what we did. I did just you make went, it? Ju- yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was the day of 8th of the 8th, 08. She obviously just wanted a cool birthday. That's cool. Good on yeah. her. Yeah, she's like that. Um, like, I want this one. Yeah, I'm all chilling. Now I want this exactly right now, <laughs> which is really cool. And I, I want to go back to that self-talk thing around work and yes. how we perceive um, our value mm. and that we get real concerned that we will uh, that we're being inconvenient, I think, like yes. when we have children or when – when anything comes up. And I don't know that men feel like that. I Yeah, I totally agree. It sort of comes, I think, for – I've always sort of done it since I was younger. It's like a it's like a being a good girl kind of like yeah. thing, mentality, and we don't want to let anyone down. Um, you know, like, yeah, just always wanting to do your best and not upsetting anybody uh, and being really hard on yourself as well. I think a lot of us do that, especially women. Yeah. Um, so but, if we do that, then people get used to it and they have – quite often have standards for women that are really high, mm. really hard. Yeah, how do we, how do we, I mean, I guess it's just having, I've learned to have boundaries a lot more now in yeah. myself. I think when you're younger, especially coming up in any industry, you kind of have to do things for, like, because, you know, if you don't do it, then someone else certainly will because there's yeah. not that many opportunities. But then when you get to a point, you can still like do a really good job, but I've just learned to have boundaries and not let it take over my life. Yeah. Um, but it can be hard because like, yeah, like there's rules and like bosses have expectations and things. They're, exactly. And what you consider important, they might not consider important. So I think that's a really important thing in any workplace. Go, what are my KPIs? What am I supposed to be achieving here? And what um, will help my career? Mm. And what are the things that I'm just actually putting on as an extra that I'd like to do because I'm trying to please everyone? Yeah. And once you stop trying to please everyone, oh, you've got to stop doing that. You're free. I know. Uh, But it is hard, especially, you know, and that goes back to that competitive element that we're talking about. There is competition. Mm, There is. And women competing against women, that is hard. So all you got to do is do you. That's what I think. Mm. Um, And go, you won't always win. Actually, I remember this cool quote uh, when I interviewed an all black called Eric Rush a long time ago. And he was, yeah, he said to me, uh, he never made the teams, the representative teams coming up through the grades as a kid. And his dad would always say to him, remember, son, it's just one man's opinion. And then when he got into the All Blacks, he said, I'm so happy for you, son. His dad said, you know, this is wonderful. You're an All Black. And he said, and remember, son, it's just one man's opinion. Mm. So when we fail or when we succeed, it still might be a matter of that's the only thing that it's related to. The only thing that it's really um, set upon is one person's opinion. And so you can't let that define you. 
Mm, yeah, I, I totally think like sometimes we put we place a lot of importance on things that we think are like, oh, like this person gave me this job and then oh, they turned me down for that. And we place importance on things that aren't always that important. Yeah. And also sometimes you do a great job and no one notices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that about? We laugh, but like. <laughs> we laugh because it's ironic. <laughs> um, but then so it's about your personal standards. But then it gets to a point where you have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And go, no, nah, I am actually doing a good job. Yeah, totally. I think uh, maybe you're the same. Maybe you've come to a same place like some of us have in any environment where like, yeah, you're sort of doing a really good job and no one like really notices or whatever. Um, you've got to get to a place I think where you just don't care anymore. Like not that you don't care about doing a good job, but you just don't give a crap about like, I don't need their approval. Like yeah. I know that I'm doing a good thing with whatever I'm doing. So nah, I stop reckon- needing, don't need their like that because you're never going to get it. So you're just going to keep getting disappointed. Yes. And they don't even know that you want it. Yeah. They don't, they're busy thinking about themselves. So I think it's about how you define yourself. Mm. And do I define myself by being something that's not really real? You know, like, am I only a valuable person if I am on the radio? Mm. You know, and if that's all that you are, then sometimes that's building a castle on the sand. Oh, yeah. Because someone can just whip it out from you. Yeah. The wave can come along and buy my sandcastle. Yes. It's such a beautiful sandcastle. <laughs> I put so much work into those like little turrets at the top. Like Exactly. And and that's, shells. But what what will last with that is the the value you've put into yourself, mm. the experience you've gained, the fact that you will be able to say next time, okay, that's not exactly uh that's, that was a I fell down, but I'm back up and I know I've learned from that as well. What are some uh, tips for people who are needing to stand up for themselves or stand there like not on a, like you don't you know every day need to like stand up for yourself, but what are some tips that you could give women for standing up for themselves or just standing their ground a bit and having good boundaries? I think uh Self-knowledge always helps with that. What are your boundaries? Like how can you tell someone else what your boundary is if you don't know yourself? Mm. So how you'll start to notice it is when you feel resentful. So if you're starting to resent things, there's a little flag that people have crossed your boundaries, but you didn't tell them that. Mm. So if you can't define the boundary yourself, then you've got to figure out where your boundary is. And as I say, resentment is always a sign, I reckon. Because if you're like, even if you're doing something at home and you're flat and you're cleaning up yet again yeah. and you're actually a little bit resentful about it, it's like you had a boundary. You wanted them to do it two days a week and you'll do it two days a week. Yeah. But you didn't say it. So you need to really voice these things. Like if someone says something which you think's unkind or something, at the time, like you can go about it a good way and be like, I don't like it when you say that. Or yeah. can you please like take the rubbish out like sometimes or whatever, it, rather than just, yeah, so maybe just actually speaking up a little bit, but doing it in a nice way. Yeah, it's always good if you own the statement and say, I feel like, or I, um, I'm i getting really uh, tired. Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm doing quite a lot more. Uh, around the house, can you yeah. help me out? You know, like, yeah. so if you go, I, I, rather than you don't do this and you yes. don't do that. Yeah. I, that's just how I have learned to approach it. Gets generally well, when you can, when you're not that's, just so mad that you can just say anything. I know. Sometimes you're like, because <laughs> so, I don't. never do this. I, never and always are the worst words uh, to use in an argument. You always do that. And, you never do this. And sometimes the thing is as well, people will like, um, you know, like avoid conflict yeah. and I don't, no one likes it. And then you're worried that it's going to be this big deal. So then I'll always like 
okay, if I say it like this, then it's going to be all good. Um, but like, yeah, sometimes because no one loves conflict and then sometimes you might say something stupid or like react, you know. But I totally think, yeah, just saying saying something when in situations where you can. What about in the situations where you can't, if that's just how it is and you just got to get used to it? Suck it up, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I have had a lot of those situations. Yeah. And so then you got to figure out what your why is. Why am I here? Mm. Maybe, you know, if we keep it to the analogy of a flat. So why do I live here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can I make a different call? Or am I here for now? And so what I'm going to do is like go out, go out. Um, you know, what am I going to do to change the situation, to change it up a little bit? Mm. Why uh, do I work at this place? Can I change that? Or why do I feel like that? Can I change that? Why do I always do more work than I have to? Can I change that? Mm. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things, what you can take power of, because it is really important. You, you can't ever take power over other people's thoughts or actions you can only take power over your own yeah totally um, so it's like giving yourself that power in a situation whether it be work home whatever it's like I can't change this so yeah work out why you're there and then be like okay well I'm here because I really love doing this so I'm just going to focus on doing that and not yeah. worry about that and sometimes it's as simple as um going am I going to even have this conversation you know when something's really yeah. irritating you and you've told one person and then you want to go and tell another person and yeah. just like I haven't quite got it out yet so I'll tell a third person <laughs> and you go did I really need to do that yeah like, am I just polluting my day I kind of am yeah, it's like you sometimes only need to tell someone. Like if you've got something to tell someone, you don't need to tell everyone. Like no. <laughs> just repeating the same thing, using up more energy. And It's just fun watching people's reactions. And if you don't get enough reaction, maybe yeah. that's why we keep on doing it. Or but if you're not over it and you just want to keep repeating the story because to get it out of your system, that can be always kind yeah, of Yeah, so maybe go for a run, go for a walk, um, do some yoga, something yeah. other than putting the poison words out there. Yeah. How have you managed and like, I mean, yeah, it's hard with these work environments and it's, we don't need to go into specifics, but how have you managed working in an environment which is driven by a lot of egos, a lot of politics? Is that, again, going back to yourself and like working out your why? Is that how you've managed it? Yeah, I think so. And also for me, um, like, I remember a boss saying to me, oh, you're the only one who's come from Flavor, which is an urban station over to Clip. Uh, you know, commercial hit radio. I wonder why that is. And I can see why that is. Um, so then I also feel a bit of a responsibility mm. um, to represent and to show that, you know, we can be in all these spaces. So that's part of my why. Um, but in terms of egos, it's always really good if you can see that for what it is mm. and go, okay, this person, that's what they're about. Yeah. That's big for them. Uh, if it's not big for you, then it's quite hard to understand. Yeah. But I've grown up around people with big egos. So yeah, you like, you're used to it. <laughs> well, my dad was in radio for so long, but um, I can still see it for what it is. Mm. That's that, just building on the sandcastle. Yeah, you and know? you just don't really let it. I mean, sometimes things will get to you, but you just don't let it get to you so much. Um, I, I guess what we're talking about, I guess, anyone can relate to if you feel like there's an injustice in your workplace. So yeah, you've got to go back to your why and you doing you and you going, okay, I know how I want to roll and I know how I want to be. Yeah. And, and if you've got to the point where you um, think that your workplace is toxic, then 
it's about what you can do mm. to change that either within your role, staying there, um, things that you can engage with and disengage with, or that you might have to change things up. Yeah. Yeah. And like plan ahead. What are some self, some of your self care practices? You've talked about some of them that you do regularly to be able to do what you do and keep yourself happy and well. Yeah. Uh, for me, physical activity is important. Yoga is one of my favorite things. And um, also yoga nidra, which is when you have a sleep meditation. Oh, cool. And so that helps you um, go to sleep and good messaging and all that kind of stuff. I was sort of into meditation. I'm not very good at just the sitting still thing. No, neither. I have to do guided ones. Yes, guided ones. Much better for me too. Yeah. Um, Tells me what to do and I can keep my mind focused on that. Although occupational has it as if they don't have a nice voice. Oh, yeah, no, I have to get, you've got to have a good one. So I had one for when I had the children, I did uh, hypnobirthing. Oh, so wow. that's where you um, don't use, the aim is to have a natural, safe, beautiful childbirth uh, without the, a need for drugs. But um, that's sort of what it's about, which sounds horrifying to some people, but it was really beautiful. And so uh, that was a lot of guided meditations in that. Wow. So um, that's important to me. I love candles and bath with candles. That sounds small, but it's no, big for me. Like the- that's the thing. Self-care doesn't need to be big, expensive things. It can be simple things, you know. Yeah. I love, you know, like I love um, an environment. I'm sensitive to environment. So if I have an environment that smells nice, looks nice, mm. that helps me. I love um, just head ma- massages at the oh, mall. I'm all so about good. it. I don't care that it's 25 bucks. I don't care it's a cheap version. They know what they're doing, man. They've oh, got yeah. that Chinese knowledge going on. Yeah, they know. And they can, like, if you've got a blocked nose, sometimes like, you'll go in there and you'll be like, oh, everything's clear now. I yeah, I love My head you. feels so much better. Yeah. Um, and I guess I eat well. I am... Yeah, I'm active and I am also about, um, yeah, writing is a really big thing for me as mm. well, being able to do that. But also, you know, having your soul food and one of my soul foods is te reo Māori. And so speaking Māori every day does feel like a massage for my soul. And if I am not in those environments, um, you know, because when we go into, it's sort of like going into, I call it like a cult, <laughs> but but like you go into these settings and you're totally immersed in it and it, I find it really energizing. Even if we're teaching or facilitating and it's a lot of energy, I do find it really energizing. That's cool. So anytime I'm feeling energized or I'm in an environment that's energizing me, I tell myself to soak this up. We're like filling up the batteries, mm. filling up the batteries. Um, so these are the things that keep you going. So, um, but close friends, I'm all about, I've got mostly girlfriends. I have hardly any guy friends. My husband, that's about it, really. <laughs> a couple of others, but, you know, I'm a girl's girl, mm. um, so the sisterhood is strong. Yeah. We have, um, you know, I have a few different groups of friends. My, my sisters, I'm all close to them, and we have we created a sorority uh, called the Alphaginas, you know, like I'm just <laughs> all about sisterhood. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that you are very close. I think you posted something for your sister's birthday or something. You're very close with your sister. Have you got more than one sister? Oh, you need a flow chat to understand my family. <laughs> so um, my sister in law from mum and dad's marriage yeah. and then from my mum's second marriage, I have a sister. From my dad's second marriage, I have a brother. From my dad's third marriage, I have two stepsisters. Oh, right. So there's lots of girls. In the family. Yes, and one boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. But he lives with us at the moment with his little family. So, um, yeah, he he might say it was hard, but he loves us. But, yeah, um, having a sister just a couple of years apart mm. is really, um, yeah, is a huge 
uh, part of my life. Yeah, I love my sister. Yeah. We were quite similar, which can be good. <laughs> can be bad. <laughs> yeah, sometimes like when you're too similar to someone, you can clash quite a bit, right? As kids for sure, yeah. yeah. But always close, always um, always my ride or die. Yeah, that's yeah. good to have. Hey, what's some of, uh, advice you would give to your younger self? Oh, man, you really need to chill out. <laughs> you really need to chill out. Um, just to have strength and patience uh, that it's uh, this drive that you feel to be who you really are is uh, going to be a journey that's sometimes painful, sometimes challenging, but it's worth it uh, because then things just are much easier and better once you can just sit in your skin more comfortably. Because, mm. yeah, that was a big piece of work I had to do to be yeah. really comfortable in my skin. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to say you do need to chill out a little bit, girlfriend, but uh, <laughs> I feel you on that. this big journey is Sometimes when you have these things you really want to achieve and you're like, I just want to get there and you get like, where am I going to end up? It's like chill out, like just enjoy it because it's not always going to work out how you think and you just got to be okay with that. And gratefulness is a big oh, yeah. thing, you know, and because I experienced grief fairly uh, early in my life when my mum died in my 20s, that gives you a different sense of uh gratitude for just even being well and being mm. healthy and and the relationships you have in your life. So I guess less uh, drama, more love, more gratitude. Yeah, that would have had a huge impact on your life, losing your mum so young. Yeah, she was only 45 when she died. Um, it was, and I'm the eldest and I was involved in her care a lot. That's why I'm still an ambassador for the Breast Cancer Foundation. Um, so yeah, it was huge and she was my light. She really was. If you imagine the person that you can't live without, she was that person. And so how did you manage to keep doing it? You, um, well, I, I like some things I read about grief now is that you don't, it doesn't stop being there. You grow around it. Mm. Yeah. And you grow with it. Um, but, you know, the, all the stages of grief. My, my children know Nana Sue. They talk about her and they actually say to each other to hold each other to account. You know, when you say cross your heart, hope to die, they say pono Nana Sue. So that means true uh, on Nana Sue. And they all look at each other like, oh, I'm telling a lie. Yeah, no, I better, can't tell a lie. I better not use the Nana Sue for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they never met her, you know. So there's a grief in That's that cool. that I never had my mother around when I gave birth. I never. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. you would have had you going into motherhood not having your mother here, which would have been really hard. Yeah, and lots of women do it. And so your midwife says, um, what was this like for your, you know, what was your mother's birth like? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, she was 17, I know that much. Um, and what was, you know, they, they just make this assumption that your mother's around. And so even if you don't have a great relationship with your mother, um, and, I, and I feel for you on that, then it's worth, looking at, okay, well, she's here. That's something. Step Make the one. most of it. Yeah. yeah. Like people aren't always around for a really long time. And some people like yourself who are really close with your mum didn't get the privilege of having that for a super long time. So. Yeah. And one good thing about grief is it does give you a window into emotion and it gives you empathy for mm. other people. Um, so now I'm just having friends losing their parents and they totally underestimate it they're like oh mum died but that was like six months ago I shouldn't be feeling like this it's like you will mm. that's what grief is but I don't think we talk much about what grief feels like and how we will all experience it differently yes. and how you can have grief from a relationship ending you know and that's what it is it's good to call it grief rather than going I'm not over him you're grieving for the relationship 
for mm. what it was and what you thought the potential of it was. Do you think that's probably when you look at things that have been really hard in your life, that would be one of the hardest, if oh, not the yeah. hardest? Yeah, it's right up there. Losing mum. Um, and also just the awfulness of watching someone die of cancer. It's horrible. It's not nice. We need to work on that already. I don't care about rockets to Mars, to be honest. I want people to work on cancer. Yeah, like people being like comfortable at least because it's, yeah, it's yeah. horrible, isn't it? It is. Um, but then the, to make things make sense, you actually have to gain something from it. Yeah, I think that's the thing with a lot of pain can come a lot of strength. It's like it can give you a lot of power, like a lot of mana through through having something really horrible happen. Like, I don't know about you, whenever anything has happened that's been a challenge, often afterwards you'll be like, yeah, you'll be sad and upset and angry or whatever. But then you come out and you like have this like, I always have this like release of power. I'm like, yeah. oh, that gave me some strength. That's what labor's like, girlfriend. Oh, no. I am, I am not. Oh, this scares me. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. It's like, I mean, it's yeah, I definitely want to be a mother. Like, I want to have children when it happens. But, like, I, I think the idea of it, like, whew, how, do you, how do you do that? Well, my thing was is that we're designed to do it. Yeah. It is. Is it really painful? It, well, I'm not going to say it's not because it is, but it's this – awesome pain do you right. know what I mean it's worth oh, it gonna, if people are listening and they've had kids are like what is she talking about but obviously if people people someone said to me once they're like people wouldn't do it again if it was that bad no well the thing is as well that how often do you have pain that has such a beautiful outcome not often no and it's this empowering thing you do feel like Wonder Woman afterwards you're like did you see what I did I made a human yeah. um, I have superpowers <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. and sometimes you don't feel like that but for me that's that was what I why I did um, calm birth or hypnobirthing because particularly with our last child I had a fear because I'd lost a baby in between um, and I wanted to re- you know really work on that fear yeah yeah and and that help you know like what what's going on with your self-talk is a big part of how you're going to feel about something and how you're going to react to totally something. and that's another thing as well I think self-talk the way we speak to ourselves the way we think about ourselves and the way that teaches other people how to treat us once yeah. you start treating yourself better without even really saying anything to anyone people just know like that yeah. you don't want to be no I, you don't treat me like that yeah and so I'm just something about I'm just not going to mess with her I'm just not going to play and some people <laughs> find that really intimidating have you found other things really hard like anything to do with relationships in the past growing up oh yeah I am um I'm a real sort of boots and like it's Embarrassing to think about me and don't worry, I'm probably some relationships. Oh I fall gosh. really fast. Yeah, and like I have, yeah, like I when I know something, I just know. Are you the same? And also, yes, and also I'm, um, you know, just love, and I see the best in them. Yeah, and, and I think, you see goodness in people that people were like, no, and I'm so, like, but they've got a really good part of them. Like, <laughs> see that they're like an angel there, and they're like, no, they're a shit. <laughs> yes, get exactly. rid of him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are you? Doing. I'm saying goodness. Yeah, I'm like I'm unicorns over here. I'm blooming <laughs> <laughs> unicat over here. And although that's a good thing, that. you just can't get with the guy who wants to smash the unicat. <laughs> just stop it because there are some guys that go mm, unicat. I'm going to kill her, and I'm going to kill her with my sexiness, and then I'm going to put her in a trap, and I'm going to make her everything that she isn't, and then I'm going to go, yes, I killed the unicat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think that's the thing. Like, a lot of us see a lot of good in people, which is a good thing, but you've got to, like, oh, I don't know, I've had to really learn because, like, I would have see good and then you're like, 
you can't do that sometimes because it will just like then you get badly burned. So what we're doing oh my maybe God. is we're giving guys leave passes on things that we shouldn't. Oh no, I don't anymore. But like yeah. I just used to like oh no, I did be really too. accepting. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm quite an accepting person, and I'll be like, oh yeah, like nothing really phased me that much. But even deep down, it didn't phase you. Nah. Like as long as, I don't know, like I'm quite accepting of people being weird or doing weird things. I don't think it's, it probably comes back to the radio thing. Yeah. Like being. Ah, oh, yes, yes, that thing. Um, <laughs> that old thing. When you've yeah. been in it from a really young age, then you're sort of like, I don't know, maybe not just that. It's probably just childhood growing up around lots of different types of people maybe, I think. But you just, I don't know, I'm just quite accepting of random shit. And so I used to let really like people do weird, like, you know, like people who weren't probably the best in. Now it's like quality, hun. Like yes, all about the quality. Quality, not quantity. And like I think as well learning what, what attention's good attention. Yes. Like, you know, like, oh, this guy was like messaging me or whatever. And it's like, you don't want that kind of attention. Like have boundaries. Yeah. But also is, do you like who you are when you're with them? Yeah, definitely. You've got to, you've got to um, yeah, you do. But then if they make you feel... A lot of it's know, it's hard because you don't want to overthink things. But like if um, if you're with someone and they and it makes you feel really crap, sometimes that's your own thing. But sometimes it's just you're not meant to be with that person. Yeah, and sometimes you can get married to the idea of what the relationship could be. But if it's actually not that, yeah, then you need to call time because you can go, oh, this could be this, and it could be that, and it could evolve into this. But it's not no. at the moment. Yeah, you know. So, uh. Yeah, I, I definitely have been in that. And then when after mum died, I had a big sort of crash inside and I was just like, well, I don't know, I don't really care because who cares? It doesn't work. Just uh, just in a really mm. bit of a funk. But there's also a type of man who can see that. Yeah. And who picks it up, yeah, sees the unicat. <laughs> Goes, yeah. <laughs> Prey on the unicat. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And you got to get your, uh, I guess, get your artillery up, get your – Get your intelligence up on how you can see and scan what a what a person offers and what they don't. Yeah, because sometimes it's like you'll just get involved with something and you see the good, and then boom, out of nowhere, hello, my heart hurts. You know, yeah. Like, and how, if it's, how do you get? How do you do that? How do you scan from the start? How yeah. Did you, how did you learn to do that? Well, I think in terms of my husband, I remember my sister saying, "When you know, you know." And I was going, "Really? I just don't know what." It is. And then when I met him, I and we got together, I did did truly know. So it is different level. But I think one of the things is, um, you know, knowing what it is for now. Like I think deep down, you know, like yeah. even when you like have a, I guess a booty call situation, you go, I'm cool with it. And you're cool with that. And we're just like friends. We're just <laughs> special friends, uh, friends with benefits. And you say, I'm not falling. I'm not falling. Well, if you are, then just be honest. Own it. Like I am like, yeah, usually someone will, if not both. Yes. And then sometimes, yeah, I don't think guys can handle that if you're like, no, literally, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no, that's my job. And you're like, yeah. uh-huh, I don't like when the tables are turned. I'm over here been the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, partially it's experience, but definitely no matter what, it always come back to um, reading the things or being exposing yourself to the things and the speak that helps you feel better and that helps you dig a little bit further into yourself. And so to be able to put more into your toolbox as to how you can operate the next time. And sometimes going through those situations 
that weren't so great actually is even though at the time you're like oh why but oh, it's yeah. actually it actually can be really good totally. in learning about and there's always lessons and you can go okay what do I learn from this what do I need thank to learn you, next. next time yeah <laughs> yeah exactly we we're just saying about Ariana Grande's thank you next song like People might think that's a really negative song we're just saying, but it's actually quite empowering, you know. And she's honouring what they had for that yeah. time, whether for a long time or a good time. It's like, are you offering something to my life? What do I then take out of that and yeah. go, thank you. That was something we shared together for that time. But um, it's not as if, you know, you don't get married and, the, and happily ever after means you never have to work on your relationship. You do. And, and – I guess more than work on your relationship, I want to say honour your relationship mm. in every way. Yes. Um, and figure out the ways that that is joyous rather than feeling like work. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Stacey, for everything you've given us and everything you do. Really appreciate it. No, thank you. Look Yay. at you go, girl. Look at you. I'm just doing a little thing. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. A special thanks to Nick Baldwin, our audio engineer. Please subscribe for more episodes and catch up on any episodes you may have missed. To find out more about our Boss Babe guests and for the Self Love Club resources and blog posts, check out my website, bellcrawford.com. There's a new post on my go-to self-care practices. And you can follow me at Bell Crawford on Instagram and Facebook. Feel free to DM me on the gram. I love hearing from you. This is the last episode for 2018. We'll be back at the start of next month with heaps of boss babes to empower you into 2019. Catch you soon, babes. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.